0: Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 262. Today is April 19th, 2018. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, today I want to take a little bit of a break from talking about the stock market. I want to focus more on eh, not really entrepreneurial topics so much. It's more of a lifestyle topic. Now, it does happen to be lifestyle because it has to do in my case with being an entrepreneur so the topic that i want to discuss today is location independence and this is a topic that comes up quite a bit because number one people are interested in it people want to be able to live wherever they choose to live you know whether it's just living on the outskirts of the city because they want to be in a more rural area maybe that's what location independence means to them you know not having to live in the suburbs or in the city for a job And, you know, it may just be also that you're financially independent because you're retired and you're receiving your pension, or you've just accumulated and built up your wealth to the extent that you can fund your own lifestyle and your own retirement. I bring today's topic up because it's not only a popular topic, but also because it's something that I'm living through myself. Many years ago, I decided to uh, relocate to the Rocky Mountains. I wanted to live in the Western part of the country. I like the climate out here. I especially like the low humidity. So uh, back then I still had, uh, had a job with corporate America, but I, again, was in a financial position where I could pretty much choose where I lived. And I know many people, again, that have certain skill sets, you're doing that. People in the high-tech community, you know, it doesn't matter where you code from. You can code from an expensive neighborhood in San Francisco, or you can take those same coding skills and be doing it from Montana, where it's a, a better lifestyle that you enjoy and certainly much less expensive than San Francisco. So we're seeing more and more people do that. That's, again, what I chose to do a number of years ago before I started my own business a big reason for me wanting to do that and wanting to relocate to the West was that I did want to start my own business and I wanted to do that in the very business friendly climate of the Rocky Mountain area. You know there, there's a lot of very business friendly states out here. Colorado used to be not so much Nevada still is to some degree, but you'd be surprised at, you know, despite the fact that they don't have a income tax in Nevada, they are not necessarily very business friendly. But other places, Wyoming, Idaho, Utah, very business friendly. So that was a lot of the reason I wanted to come out this way. Now that I'm here, I've built my business, my family's here, grandchildren are starting to be born here, I'm probably not leaving, and again, that kind of brings me around to the topic of today's episode, which is the importance of striving to be location independent because it's a key part of your freedom in your life, but at the same time, no man is an island, we're never totally off-grid, we're never totally separated from society and our environment, and even if you're financially independent and your business or or your job is specifically independent of a, a, a particular geographic location, it doesn't mean that it can just pick up and move to anywhere. I'm finding myself in that situation right now. I'm digressing here a little bit, which is no surprise. But I, I, I again bring this up today because I've been a little absent from you know doing podcasts over the previous months and people were asking me, hey, Johnny, you're writing another book or are you going underground? Why haven't we heard so much from you? Well, you know, one of the reasons is that the market has been what the market is. What I say is not going to change anything. I don't want to sound like a broken record when I keep saying I'm buying the dips. I don't think we're headed to a, a major economic collapse. I don't want to get on and say that same thing every two or three days in a week. For me, the period from you know, November to April is a very busy period. I obviously have the day-to-day issues of, of dealing with running my business and being involved in the financial markets, studying them, and you know even if I'm not buying and selling anything, I have to look at them every day and decide whether I'm going to or not. So that obviously takes up most of my time, but in this November to April period, it's also a time when I'm closing out my business at the end of the year. And then at the beginning of the year, I have to re-register and re-file my business. And then, you know, as we get into March and April, I have to finalize all my taxes for the previous year. So that takes a lot of time and effort, as well as this year in particular. I've added a lot of new systems and functions to my business that are going to allow me to expand it. I've qualified and taken on a new broker. All these things have taken a great deal of time, certainly more time than I thought they were going to. And then you throw in the fact that the markets have been very turbulent the last eight weeks and, hey, you know, John hasn't had a whole lot of time. I'll tell you, whenever you're self-employed, your boss can be a real SOB. For you homeschooling students, don't ask your mom what SOB means. Ask your dad. He'll tell you. It's sweet old boy. Another reason I've been holding back a little bit on doing episodes is, you know, other than being so busy with business, is that I've spent a whole lot of time looking at my particular situation with location independence and trying to determine where my next residence is going to be. You see, this year, my youngest kid graduates from high school, so my wife and I are finally empty nesters, this is after raising six kids, uh, when I first came to Utah, the house that I ended up buying was, was a real compromised location. I was, I was right in the midst of moving to Utah when my mother became critically ill, and it became apparent that her life was going to be cut short, and uh, my wife and I, uh, we wanted to take care of her. This literally happened just weeks before I was getting ready to finalize on buying a house, and the home that I originally was going to purchase wasn't going to work out. I was looking at more uh, rural, more remote areas which incidentally my wife wasn't interested in, we had at that time a kid in every level of school. We had at least one child in elementary school, middle school, high school, and even a couple in college. So we needed to find kind of a, a, a base home, you know, set up our, our base campsite where the college kids would not be so far away that you know, they could come home on, on Christmas break. And then of course there was quality public schools for the high schooler, middle schooler, and elementary schooler to go to. So for me, that was a challenge finding that kind of rural location that satisfied my wife and my kids' you know, society and cultural needs. And then you throw into the fact that my mother had become seriously ill. We had to have you know, a house laid out where she could have a bedroom on the first floor because she couldn't really do steps anymore. And then we also had to be near a hospital because she was going to you know perhaps require frequent attention. I ended up buying a property in a suburbs outside of Salt Lake City, It was a compromise house, but things have all worked out now. You know, my mother has passed on, so we don't have to be near a hospital anymore. My kids have grown, and as I said, my last one's graduating from high school this year, so we're empty nesters. I really don't need the six, seven-bedroom house anymore. Well, let me step back on that. Actually, I love my house. I really don't plan on downsizing in terms of square feet. I love having all the space. My hobbies, my interests, you know, I can fill up all the voids. I just don't need the bedroom space that I used to need. And if I could take my house and I could put it outside of the particular HOA neighborhood that I'm in and on a larger lot, I would be much happier. And when I talk about a lot, I'm not one of these kind of people that need 50 acres. Uh, I'm not even sure I need an acre. I might be able to do just fine on a quarter acre provided the property's laid out right. I just want to have enough physical space where I can use it as a buffer zone. And yeah, if I can find the right three-acre property, I would buy it. But again, I could be content on a quarter of an acre. And so over these past months, in addition to all the business things I've been doing, I've also been spending a lot of time trying to figure out where I want to relocate to, if I really do want to relocate, and you know what my wife is going to allow me to do. I've pretty much come to the conclusion that I'm not going to get out of Utah. That's because uh, right now both of my grandchildren will be living in the immediate area around Salt Lake City. The majority of my grown children, in fact all of my grown children other than one, are within a fairly close proximity of Salt Lake City. And although I don't know that my kids are always going to be staying in this area because as they have career decisions and things, they may choose to move and, and go to different states. But for now, certainly the best you know, central location for my wife to be around her children and grandchildren is not necessarily specifically in Salt Lake, but definitely within the bounds of the state of Utah. Now I bring up moving outside of Utah because as much as I love the Rocky Mountains, as much as I love the climate and everything in these Western states, these these specifically mountain Western states, Utah itself can be really challenging from an environmental standpoint. You know, basically because there's not many trees here. It's not the wooded forest that I grew up with. You know, living in the Appalachians and Western Pennsylvania, you don't have that vegetation density the the rich, fertile soil, those kind of things that in the back of my mind are kind of properties that I'd someday want to, you know, have my have as my retirement home. Utah from a geologic standpoint is incredibly diverse. It's very beautiful. The northern part of the state is extremely different than the southern part of the state. But one of the downsides of Utah is that, you know, generally there's no water. We are a high mountain desert. And so you're not going to get the trees. I miss that for me to have a lot of trees and vegetation. I've got to be living pretty much above 6,000 feet above sea level. I currently live right around 5,100. As you go up in elevation, it gets a lot colder. So yes, I could live in a aspen or a evergreen type of forest here in Utah, but probably eight months out of the year, you would likely to have the temperature drop down to freezing in the evening. And I'm not joking about that. You know, the days can be very beautiful. They're, they're almost always sunny. It can get up into the 70s, 80s during, during the daytime. But in the evening, you don't have that moisture like you do in more humid regions where it can act as a buffer And so at night, without any cloud cover, things can get extremely cold. If you look at an area in southern Utah, there's a place called Brian's Head. Now there are some beautiful log cabins up in the forested mountains up there. I've looked at it. I'd really like to live there with one exception. It's at almost 10,000 feet above sea level. So although it's in Southern Utah and you know, St. George, which is maybe just an hour away, is gonna be extremely hot and oppressive in the summer. You're gonna get 110 degrees, you know, something maybe similar that you'd see in Phoenix, but yet at Brian's head, it may only be 70 degrees, which is fine with me. The problem with that is in the evening, the temperatures drop to extremes. I've never been up there when there isn't some snow somewhere. The Northern shaded slopes, almost always have snow on them throughout the year. It's a very unique location. And I don't remember off the top of my head if it's number one or number two, but when it comes to full-year occupancy at that kind of elevation, it is either the highest or the second-highest elevation in the United States that actually has a permanent living community in it. I mean, that's how cold it is. And that gives you some idea of the diversity of living in Utah. There are so many different microclimates, and I've looked at places from you know New Mexico in the south to you know, way up in Idaho or Montana in the north, Colorado Springs in the east, to Reno, Nevada in the west. So what kind of house or property or location do I want? Well, I'm not sure. I'd really like to get, I think, what they call horse property, where, again, it may have an acre or so, maybe a couple acres. It's rural enough where you can have animals, but at the same time, it's kind of a gentleman's farm and it's not out in the middle of nowhere. Back to the dilemma about staying in Utah. We have cities, we have suburbs, and we have rural areas, but because it's so mountainous, Uh, Because there is so much elevation that you can't build on or, uh, you know, government land. The state of Utah, I think the federal government owns 90% of it. Now, 90% of that is desert wasteland that nobody would want to own. But the federal government does own a lot of the state. And so it really restricts where you can live and what kind of communities you can have. And so while we have cities and suburbs and rural areas, the cities and suburbs are kind of, you know, densely populated in a few mountain valleys, and then when you get outside of those areas, it can get really remote really quickly. There's only about 3 million people that live in Utah, and they all pretty much live on a, about an 80 or 90-mile stretch on Interstate 15 that runs along the Wasatch Front. That's up to, say, Ogden in the north and Provo in the south. You get out of that linear concentration of people, and you get out of civilization really quickly. And I don't want to be in the middle of nowhere. I like going to Costco and Home Depot. And then again, with living in a mountainous state, proximity is still not necessarily related to distance like you would consider in the Northeast. For example, one you know, habitable mountain valley may be only 15 miles from the next community over. However, that 15 miles is going through a canyon pass And in the wintertime, that canyon can either be totally shut down because of snow, or it can be so treacherous to travel that those 15 miles turn into, you know, an hour or two travel time. Ah, So the dilemmas continue. In any case, that's what I've been burdened with lately. I've been spending an inordinate amount of time trying to get this together. I really want to move this year, but I don't know if that's going to be possible. I might have to drag this out into 2019. I'll likely be sharing more with you about what I'm doing, what I'm looking at, where I decide to go. I also bring this up because I'd like to get your feedback and I'm specifically talking about those of you that are currently living location independent or you're in that position and you just haven't decided to pull the trigger as to where to go. You know, Some of you are living in RVs and you're just traveling the country. I have some friends that are living on a sailboat, they're going to be sailing the Pacific. I know I've heard from a number of you that they are living internationally. I love hearing your ideas and your feedback and kind of the things that that you're finding. So, wellsteading.com, contact form. You can always get in touch with me there. Others of you know my own personal email address. Love to hear from you.